Hey, Julia. Hey, Christian. Isn't it so crazy that we're here looking at each other right now while we do this? It's very, very, very exciting. It's bonkers, and you know what's even better? The sound quality. (laughs) I put the headphones on, and I was like, oh, wow. Amazing what it sounds like when we're not uh, a couple... How many miles do we live away from each other? Like 75 miles? I don't know. When we're miles away from each other and on Skype. Yes, it sounds so much better. Um, it feels better. When I was setting up our audio equipment, I was like, oh, we're home. It feels good to be back. we're not allowed to use our dining room table (laughs) because we podcast from it. It does feel good to be back. Um, that said, we're back in Chicago and clearly big things are happening in the city. And we did want to start off our podcast just by making a quick statement from the Teen Wolf, Ray Wolf. We are avid supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement. We want to express our pride and our support for everybody who is out protesting currently. Um, We also hope that you guys are safe and being well and taking care of your mental health as well as your physical health right now. We understand that the pandemic is still going on um, regardless of the protesting. And uh, we encourage you guys, if you cannot get out and protest, if you have the funds to donate to any of the Black Lives Matter movements, if you want to donate to your city's bond charity to bail out protesters, we hope you do that too. And if you are in one of the cities that is protesting across the world, uh, I hope there are ways that you can get involved. Um, And we love you. And we are really both frustrated and saddened by what's happening, but also filled with hope that there can be change in the future. Um, and we know that this is a Teen Wolf podcast, but it felt strange to go into this, uh, and not say anything about it because it's been very heavily on both of our minds. Uh, yeah. And I think that we have made our political beliefs very clear, um, on this podcast and it would be, uh, it would be hypocritical for us not to address this now. So yeah, Black Lives Matter and fuck the cops. (laughs) We stand in solidarity with you all. We sure do. Um, Other than that, we hope you guys have been safe otherwise in quarantine. We are finally back in Chicago, as we just said, and we're excited to get rolling on this again. I really missed watching Teen Wolf. Like, I wasn't really going to let myself watch it while we were in Quar because then I would get too far ahead of myself and, like, wouldn't remember where we were in the podcast. Uh, And watching it today was great fun. It was, even though we couldn't see anything because it's so bright outside and Teen Wolf is so dark. Yeah. It is a show you have to watch at night. I'm pretty sure it aired at like 10 when it was on. Well, that would make sense because literally there's a shot of like Allison coming up through the woods in this episode and I could not see her for a full 10 seconds. Like it it was only until the camera moves in on her face and I was like, oh, that's Allison and not just a shapeless blob. You knew it was Allison, but yes. Because of context, yes, but um, it's nuts. I also missed watching Teen Wolf. I think I watched one episode with my sister uh, uh, in season three, which took me a minute to get reacclimated to where we were. Um, In Georgia and not Southern California, yes. Yes. Uh, So I really enjoyed it. I love Teen Wolf. I had a moment of really connecting with the reasons why I did love it in the first place and obviously still really care about it. Yeah. It's, it's been great. Um, I think that this for a lot of people, and I know in our Corona group chat that we had running on Twitter, uh, is a lot of people's comfort food. So it was nice to partake. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The episode that we just watched is season two, episode 11. It's called Battlefield. Um, I had no idea what episode we were on. So that was news to me too. (laughs) Yeah. Because wasn't the last episode Lydia's party or the one before that? The one before. The last episode is Fury. I don't remember. Oh, the whole police station. Yeah. It's a huge shift because you've kind of gotten rid of like villain one and now you have to move on to villain two. So, uh, yes, there's, there, there is a, um, a rhyming couplet at the bottom of this sonnet. Yes, there is. So we have one more episode after this to wrap everything's up in a, a bow, but not really because obviously there's seasons that come after this. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting one for sure. Yeah. 
And the nice thing this time is that we're not going to take a break between seasons because we just took a break. <laughs> so a we'll jump one. a long one. So we'll just jump right into season three. Uh, speaking of jumping right in, should we get to our 60 second recap? Yeah, I think we think we have to at this point. Wanna. <laughs> what if I volunteered to go first? Yes, that would be yep. Yep, you're doing it. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I'm in. Go ahead. <laughs> right now, a first for the Teen Wolf Rewolf. One of us is volunteering to recap the episode. Mm. The first volunteer from District Twelve. No volunteer. If you've read the new Hunger Games book, let us know what you guys thought. I still haven't read it, so isn't it like 600 pages? Like yeah. it's really long. Madison read it in like three days. My sister was like, "I don't know. We're in quarantine. What else do I have to do?" <laughs> True. I thought about I thought about buying it. I saw a billion copies of it at Meyer, and then I was just like, mm, no, I might get around to it. Um, okay, we're we're way more invested in the Twilight book coming out. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, also, sending thoughts and prayers to Robert Pattinson in quarantine, wherever he may be. He's in London. We know. <laughs> um, that must have been traumatizing for him, but very exciting for the rest of us. Yes. So. I'm pretty sure the first seven chapters of Midnight Sun are still saved onto my like family desktop that's gathering dust in the attic, like from whatever year. <laughs> Incredible. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that wraps up your time to stall. Okay. It's time for cool. you to do the 60 second recap. Are Great. you ready, Julia? I think so. One, two, Okay, so the episode opens uh, on Styles in the counselor's office talking to Bianca Lawson um, about what happened to Matt and drowning and just basically talking about how he's really, really lonely and she's encouraging him to just kind of keep going. Um, and then Erica and Boyd are trying to run away because they don't really want to be part of the pack anymore and they hear a bunch of wolves, so they go and tell Derek that they are leaving and Derek's obviously really upset about that. We find out that there is a championship game going on and there's some doubt as to whether or not um people are going to play gerard shows up at scott's house um holds melissa hostage for a little bit uh to try and get scott to bring Derek to him because he wants revenge for kate's death um there's a scene at the vet with scott and isaac and uh isaac is decides that he's going to leave with erica and boyd Flash forward to uh, the lacrosse game. Scott is benched. Isaac shows up and uh, because he just really wants to be a part of Scott's pack. And I'm so not going to make it. But No, you just <laughs> ran out of time. <laughs> I, I just felt so confident that I knew what happened. And I was trying to be calm. Yes. You, I saw no, I saw the confidence and I was impressed, but then it felt like it, the confidence turned into a, a cockiness and you got over invested <laughs> in the details you knew. And yes. Um, but I just like, when you start thinking about Bianca Lawson, you're just kind of, you're like, I have so many other teen <laughs> shows to think about. It took mm-hmm. her like 40 years before she was actually allowed to not play a teenager. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think pretty little liars started around the same time and she played a teenager on that show. Like, around the same time that she's playing a, a guidance counselor. I, I never watched A Pretty Little Liars, but crazy and good for her. Honestly, we should all be so lucky. Truly. Um, great. Well, I mean, good job otherwise, because I, <laughs> I, I know we just watched it, and I know we just <laughs> talked about it, but we'll see if I remember well, anything. We shall see. Are you, are, are you ready? Are you feeling <laughs> it now, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. And three, two, one, go. So Styles is in the guidance, guidance counselor's office and he's talking about his feelings, talking about how like Scott's not talking to him and Allison's not talking to Scott. And then we cut to Scott in his house and Gerard tells him, and he has like the Canima is holding Melissa and Gerard tells him that if he doesn't hand over um, Derek's pack that he is going to, like a bunch of people are going to die. And then Scott goes off to do whatever. And then uh, Erica and Boy tell Derek they're leaving. And then Isaac comes to find Scott to tell Scott that they're leaving. And then tells Scott that Jackson is going to be playing on the lacrosse game that night or whatever. So Scott decides he's going to play and risk a lot to like save Jackson. And then Isaac shows up and helps him win the game. And meanwhile, uh, like Styles ends up having to play. And then Gerard comes to attack them. And then Ter- Derek and Peter are off talking about how to defeat the Canima and Peter tells him it's love, which is great. And then uh, the lights go out and Jackson hurts himself as a distraction and Gerard captures Styles. Nice. Two seconds to spare. Yeah. Um, although we did not, neither of us mentioned, 
or maybe you did mention, and I just like completely blanked Allison going after Boyd. Oh, we did not. Erica. We we're gonna have to talk about that because that was major news when this episode mm-hmm. came out. Yeah, this is a pretty, I, I think a pretty significant episode in the Teen Wolf uh, canon and certainly very gift as we were discussing. Yeah, I think I've seen this episode in full in gifts um, out of sequence uh, on Twitter and in the early days Tumblr about a million times. <laughs> yeah, um, but in this episode, Allison has pretty much completed her transformation to awful human being um, and hunts... Erica and Boyd down and ends up putting what, like seven arrows into Boyd as he's trying to protect Erica. Um, and it's really, really, really hard to watch particularly right now. Yes. Especially right now. Um, and Chris shoots her bow out of her hands and there's that whole huge conflict, uh, between them, which doesn't really get addressed in this episode. It's very, uh, a B plot, but, definitely worth mentioning yes yeah um and we'll be mentioning more of it when we start going through our topic of discussion mm-hmm. so we watched this episode of teen wolf through the theme of isolation of which there is much it kind of seems like this is an episode where everybody is going off on their own path not even really by choice like no one is sort of like martyring themselves and being like i know i need to do this alone it's actually that the fallout from the last episode has left them all so fractured they don't know how to come back together yeah it's like i was telling christian before we started recording that when uh you're like looking after younger kids and they're like playing side by side and not interacting with each other it's called parallel play and that's kind of how i think everybody is treating each other in this episode they're doing they're in the sandbox side by side but they're not crossing over um and therefore not playing on each other's strengths um or creativity they're all just kind of doing their own thing and it it doesn't work out super well I mean, there's not... No, it does not. There's no real catastrophic event uh, until the end. So uh, everybody's just kind of muddling through. It's it's sad. It is sad. Um, and I think just because he starts off the episode, and this is going to be a significant part of our discussion, a lot of what you feel watching in this episode is sort of brought to your attention in the very first scene while Styles is talking to the guidance counselor. Does Bianca Lawson have a name in the show? What is it? I think she does. Hold on. I'm going to look it up because she's, um, she's Deaton's sister. She's also the French teacher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you go to high school that many times, <laughs> Bianca Lawson, you get to have more than one job at high school. <laughs> she's funny. Um, she's 41 years old, just so everybody knows. Oh my gosh. Um, mm, mm, mm. Sorry, I always forget she was on Buffy. Uh, I'm just looking up her name. She's just been on every television show that's ever been created. Uh, Marin. Oh. Marin Morell. Morell. Okay, yes, Morell. Yeah. Oh, maybe they're not related. I don't know. I feel like it's implied that she and Deaton are related. Mm, yeah. Or not. Uh, it has been so long since we watched or talked or thought about this show that uh, we're going to have to come back to that. Yeah. But no, at the beginning of this episode, we hear Styles um, talking to her um, and basically summing up what he's feeling about the last episode, which is nice because it did give us a quick summary of last episode's plot. <laughs> um, but it also kind of sets you up to know how you're supposed to be feeling about what's coming you know it kind of gives you an expectation that this episode is going to be sad and frustrating um yeah and i think one of my frustrations with shows like this where people die with kind of relative frequency is that that's never lingered upon in a lot of situations like you wake up the next day and everything's fine but styles is clearly very affected by what happened to matt and the havoc that he wreaked on the rest of the town Um, So it was nice to be able to sit with that for a little bit. I agree. And I think that it addresses some really um, complex feelings because he starts by explaining what it feels like to drown, which definitely like top three worst ways to die Mm -hmm. for, you know, coming from somebody who has never died, but. Oh no, I've, I've always heard that that's like the worst way because it's just so damn painful. Painful. Yeah. That and like burning to death. Mm -hmm. Um, so Peter, check. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he, he explains what it feels like to, to drown, and he doesn't necessarily express sympathy for Matt, um, but maybe more like an understanding of it, like pain. Like he, he doesn't want doesn't want to empathize or sympathize with this person at all because Matt is crazy, but also understands that there are like traumas that people go through as children, like styles that stay with you. And I think that that's like a really intelligent way of looking. It also shows how smart Styles is. I think the normal like sort of portrayal of a um, a teenage boy would be to be like, well. You know he's crazy. Screw him. Her da 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 And then to not have that be the case was really interesting. But what I think is most interesting about Styles' time in therapy is just how alone he feels, how isolated he is from his pack. Yeah, and especially on the heels of his conflict with his dad, which we talked about extensively, um, where even though his dad just got his job back as the sheriff, um, he still won't really look at Styles. Like Styles just feels as though he has wronged everybody in his life, and that there's no way that he can make up for it. Yeah, Styles is definitely the victim of a burden complex, um, and I think you see that when in this conversation, when he says that Scott isn't really talking to him. I almost wonder if that it's Styles avoiding Scott in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Styles, this is kind of his moment his big moment of like sort of I guess you would say like metaphorical isolation um and it happens at the beginning of the episode and then the episode is actually bookended by his physical isolation by his kidnapping by Gerard um and I think that that's really interesting that he already feels this way and then it comes to fruition in that at the end of the episode yeah so there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. with Mr. Stiles Stolinski there is do you have anything else to say about him? Um, nothing that can't be brought up in Q's and O's. Okay. I don't think. I yeah. think that scene is beautiful. I mean, Dylan O'Brien is so good. We all know he is the Teen Wolf King. Um, and it's shot really beautifully with like the light coming through the window. Uh, the filters in the flashbacks are kind of stupid, but the, um, Teen Wolf can't can't do anything <laughs> truly right. Like everything has to be a little bit slightly off. A little bit off. Um. Yeah, I, I, I think that was also a really impressive way to, to start the episode. I get really tired of jump. Sometimes I get really tired of j- things when they just jump right into the action sequence. I'm like, mm-hmm. ugh. Let me catch my breath. I thought it was a really effective cold open, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially because like so so much is changing for the Teen Wolf gang. It's, it's nice to be able to have a moment, like I said a couple minutes ago, to just sit there with those feelings. Uh, yeah. with the characters yeah yeah um let's move into talking a little bit about scott yeah and by extension melissa yeah because i feel like you can't really talk about uh either of them without the other in this episode yeah um, because we've just come off the realization and they've not really had a um a heart to heart about it yet because melissa says like later on in the episode that she doesn't even know what scott is but she saw him in the last episode get shot and be fine. And she saw his, you know, werewolf face come out. So uh, right now, the only present parent in Scott's life is not talking to him. Doesn't want to be in the same room with him. Is scared of him almost. And Scott doesn't really want to be with Styles. He doesn't really want to be with anyone. He seems very resigned to his responsibility to staying in Beacon Hills and like helping people. But, uh, yeah, he feels very alone. Yeah. I also think that he is distancing in order to keep other people safe as I hope you all have been doing during this pandemic. Um, I think that he now sees, especially after the beginning of the episode, that any kind of any person who he has a connection with is in immediate danger, which we already knew. Like we've talked about his sort of Spider-Man. I have talked about his (laughs) Spider-Man complex. Oh my God, there it is again. (laughs) 
again, Spider-Man, not my favorite superhero, but he, there's just so much to say about him in terms of Teen Wolf. Um, I think that he is, you know, the farther he is away from Styles, the farther Styles is away from danger, and I think that goes for a lot of people. And then I, he also now is officially very much isolated from Allison after the events of last episode. And I think up until now, Scott has been delusional enough to think that he still had, you know, at least a part of her. Um as she has been going through this like radicalization, crazy alt-right process. Um, and now he is truly aware that he doesn't. And that's very isolating. And I think that he kind of throws himself into work and stuff. Um, and it's actually Isaac who ends up breaking that isolation for him, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I think pushing away your friends is a time honored, uh, superhero teen, trope pushing away your friends is a time-honored teen tradition you don't even have to have powers um but i mean i think you see that in like buffy a lot um it's really sad but it also i mean it feels very uh organic because it's like cause and effect like you can see my friends are getting hurt because they're around me all the time um and there's nothing i can do about it and also when scott had allison it's not just that he had like the woman that he loved. He also had someone who was on the inside of like the werewolf hunting business and was on his side and was like actively working to protect him from that. And now I think he really feels the us versus themness of her life. And the fact that she has committed to the side of the werewolf hunters. Yeah. Which is so sad. Very sad. And I think, I think you're totally right. I think he's lost his in and that is making him feel more isolated than anything because he, we we talked about how he says he never knows what he's doing, Mm. but sometimes he does. Uh, and I mean, to an extent, Scott's still the number one lovable dumbass, but he, really has no he doesn't even have a a ground to build a plan on like there's Mm -hmm. nothing that he can even start putting into motion because he doesn't have that connection anymore well and that's what makes scott such an effective leader is his emotional intelligence which we've talked about a lot but also his ability to utilize other people's skills and strengths and to kind of like marshal them and like tell them what to do and um formulate a plan based on information that's given to him from other people like he uh doesn't have any support anymore which is um got to be so frustrating for him because then you're playing with, with half the pieces or you're playing blindfolded you know mm-hmm. and i think going back to what you said about melissa the one person who you have in high school is your sort of like whoever it is to you like you're support system like your family your mom your dad your older siblings or whatever like that one person who he thought he couldn't lose because you know your mom loves you no matter what is you know staying away from him and that's you know terrifying she's also the only relic of his pre-werewolf life or she was because she didn't know and just to her scott was like a normal teenager and she's the pretty much the only person who views him that way who who is close to him on like an emotional level besides like coach doesn't know that they're werewolves but i think he wanted to hold on to that sense of normalcy between the two of them for so long and he knew that if she knew everything would change and so now he's faced with the aftermath of her knowing and he seems really willing to be able to talk about it and not only willing, but like that he actively wants to talk to her about it. And the fact that she's shutting him out, um, is devastating to him. Yeah. I think you're right because it, when we're talking about like his pre werewolf life, like styles, they have a moment in this episode that I really like, mm-hmm. um, when they finally kind of get back together at the lacrosse game, like styles makes a point to be like, I can't do what you can do. Like I now, there are now higher expectations on you. Um, and I can't always be there to help because this is, your life has a part that doesn't include me anymore. Um, which I think it hurts Scott to hear. Um, but he also assures Styles that Styles doesn't need to have that part, which I think is important too. Um, which is nice to see that after all of the isolation that they both go through in this episode, that they can find a way to regroup. You got to regroup. That is, that is the number one thing that you should always be able to do. Mm-hmm. You're having a bad day. Take a breath, regroup, regroup. That that's my family motto. <laughs> if you're having a bad day, if you feel like your day is just like not getting better and you can do this, wash your face and brush your teeth. And I swear to God, like life changed. 
Truly. Yeah. You just need a, a change of attitude. People are like, why do you brush your teeth four times a day? And I'm like, my mental health. <laughs> also, my dental health. <laughs> clean teeth, clean brain. Yes, that's how it works. Um, anyway, should we move on to somebody else? Well, um, we're talking about Scott. Do you think we should go ahead and talk about Isaac? Yes. Poor, poor Isaac. I love him. I We... We here at the Teen Wolf Rewolf love, love Isaac. Isaac Leahy. I just, ugh. Um, is it because Daniel Sharman is probably the most handsome person to grace our screens in the show? Yeah, but also other reasons. Um, he He's p- part of the reason that makes Daniel Sharman so beautiful, part of the thing. Like, he has these hugely expressive eyes, and he has a very vulnerable face, so you know exactly what he's thinking at all times. Um, and that's, it's very cool and also unusual to see that hot of a man be that emotionally vulnerable on TV, um, which I think is a big plus on the part of Isaac. And in this episode, he's trying to decide if he's going to leave Beacon Hills and find a new pack with Erica and Boyd, or if he's going to stay. And he walks into the vet clinic basically begging Scott to give him a reason to stay. Yeah, he, he does. Um, and he explains to Scott that he's there for advice, I guess. But I think more often than not, when you, in any storytelling, when somebody is saying, like, do I stay or do I go, they're begging you to say stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was maybe even a chance when he walked in that he wouldn't have stayed for Scott. Um, but then after he takes the dog's pain away and they both cry, I think, I think there's no going back. It is, he's seen too much good in Scott to see a life for him outside of that pack at that point. And that scene is so emotional. I think I've seen that especially gift a million times. And that dog is so cute. Excellent dog acting. It was great. Yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. On the dog. Um, but you see that, like, Isaac, when he says that he's going to go with Erica and Boyd, he also knows that there's not really a place for him there. He's a third wheel in their tiny pack. Like, he knows that Erica and Boyd are best friends at this point. Um, Teen Wolf, why did you kill them off? We wanted to know more about their relationship. Uh, Erica and Boyd spinoff. You didn't even try. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Just bring them back from the dead somehow. But that's what season seven should be. <laughs> Erica and Boyd are back. Yeah. Um, like, it's Teen Wolf, but with zombies now. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a theory, like, way back at the beginning of Riverdale, like, after season one, because they were like, oh, it's dark Archie, and there's dark Archie comics where uh, Riverdale's, like, full of zombies, and they were like, is that what's going to happen? Because it's right next to, like, Sabrina's town, and then they did the Sabrina episode, and no, Riverdale's just terrible. <laughs> Wait, in <laughs> yeah, Riverdale is terrible. I, the last time we're bringing it up, but I also have a question: Is the yeah. Sabrina, does the Sabrina episode have Karen and Shipka in it, like of Netflix Sabrina? I don't think that there was an. There's no Sabrina episode, but when oh. they when they just said they came out and they were like, "We're doing a Sabrina series," people were like, "Well, Sabrina and Archie are." interconnected they occur in the same universe so what's gonna happen and then nothing nothing because nobody was thinking ahead no bad um i'm really sorry that was so rude what kind of millennial are you i don't remember why i had my ringer on there was a reason for it i was expecting someone to call me okay not this person. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah, nope. Whatever you say. Um, my, my best friend Annie is calling me. Annie. I'll, I'll call you back after this. Sorry. Are you done? Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, but Isaac. Uh, yeah, doesn't have a place in Erica and Boyd's pack. Um, doesn't really have a place in the universe. And I think, like, Isaac, I think Isaac is used to being on his own and having nobody. Uh, but there is you know how but in the the brief moments where he did he realizes that it it's so much better like he knows that he could go on by himself but if he had scott and scott's pack like there would be sort of more like he there there would be support that he has been without for however long his brother and mom have been dead you know Mm -hmm. well and i think that 
that's one of the reasons why it was really important in the previous episodes for him to show some kind of like remorse for his dad being gone and to mention that his dad was not always as terrible. Uh, because if he had been, that would mean that Isaac had like completely grown up without love and care and would probably be way more mistrustful. And it wouldn't be as easy for him to like make that jump to trusting and believing in Scott. Right. So I think what we're kind of getting at is that Isaac, again, knows knows love, knows what it's like to live without it, and is choosing it again. Yes, exactly. Um, which is beautiful. And I think that when he shows back up at the lacrosse game um, and flashes his smile, and when Scott says, you came to help, and he says, I came to win, it's just, it's so much. Blinding. Blinding? He's <laughs> so cute. Also, just like, I, I that is such a great way for kind of to show that they... They have a, 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 a repartee that is sort of friendship as opposed to like lost puppy, <laughs> which yeah. Isaac kind of is to Scott, but like, I just, I, it's great. And, and also that they're in, that their relationship exists independent from other influences, I think is really important. Um, and they're just really sweet together. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I said at the beginning, like, I think this was the episode that invented, uh, Skysick. Well, because I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just Daniel Sharman's face, but he looks like he's flirting with Scott, like un poquito, like a little bit. A little, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think the shit, that ship existed until this episode. And then I remember being on tumblr.edu after it aired <laughs> in 2012 or whatever. And, uh, like, it was everywhere. See? Did you see? Did you see? Attention. Attention. <laughs> We're replacing Steric for right now. <laughs> Yeah, like, why Steric when Skyzik exists? Why not just ship the canonical ships of Teen Wolf because they're right? <laughs> yep. There are two shows on TV that all of the canonical ships are correct. Teen Wolf and New Girl. That's it. I don't, I'm not a New Girl person, but sure. Um, That's true. Should we move on? Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as we could talk about Isaac all day. All, all, all day, day, every day. Um... I want to talk a little bit about Allison. Ugh. This was the episode that canceled her, which, like, I've never seen canceling work, but really, the fandom turned. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those, like, baby, what is you doing moments. Well, I think that you and I have both been a little bit, like, devil's advocate about, like, how you understand how she has become so radicalized, like we know that like her, like the, the tragedies of that she has faced in this season were used against her, um, to fulfill Gerard's agenda. We see her be like, when she attacks Erica and Boyd, it's not an act of like vengeance or revenge. It is malice. It's sadistic. It's It's, yeah. Awful. It's so hard to watch because it would be one thing if, Like, this would be a redeemable scene if Allison shot, like, one arrow, two arrows, and then stepped back and was like, holy shit, I can't believe I just did that. But it keeps going. And, in fact, the only reason why she doesn't kill Boyd, which is the implication, is that uh, Chris shoots her bow out of her hand. Um, And it's really hard to watch and feels like a little a little out of character yeah i mean i i think we have mentioned before how much like teen wolf like really flubs the femme fatale Mm -hmm. this might be another example um i think she has turned so far and it is so easy for her to switch back in the coming season like she's like because she never really faces consequences for these particular actions, <laughs> like it's really frustrating to me that they took it this far and then didn't either work for her to have to gain people's trust again. With, I mean, a little, but not really. It's more like a playful flirting with her and Isaac. Um, and it goes, it goes too hard, too fast, and then is never addressed again. So if they had, e- if she had either been behaving not this badly, but like descending into like worse and worse behavior up until then, maybe we'd think it worked more, but it does feel out of the blue, I think. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there is that instance in the previous episode where she's just like, I want to kill Derek. Um, I want them to die. Maybe I'm misquoting her, but she basically is like, uh, yeah, go invade the police station. Like take them out. Um, so I don't know, maybe they are dropping breadcrumbs, but you're right. We never see her grapple with what she's done. Um, and these are not faceless werewolves. They're kids she goes to school with. And has worked with now at this point. Yeah. Um, or so, kind of. Not really. They were still they're still Team Derek. <laughs> they're they're Team Derek and but they're they're people she went to school with. And it, it just like there's such a profound lack of empathy in the way that Allison interacts with them in this particular episode that is so like it goes against the empathy that we've seen her show for other people up until this point. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Well, I gotcha. You got me. Yeah. Really weird. But it also, this, she's experiencing a different type of isolation. It's chosen. And she is like separating herself so far from her father who is not a good man because he sits around and watches people do terrible things and doesn't do anything about them, but is perhaps rational Mm. comparatively comparatively um she has been so damaged by gerard's influence that she chooses to go against her last remaining parent um who i think we have discussed is like definitely was definitely more involved in like parenting of her Mm -hmm. he was like always the one picking her from school and stuff so that is really kind of striking that she has been been so uh you know um been pushed so far that she is, is moving away from like, cause Gerard doesn't really care about her being pushed away from like the one guardian parent supervisor in her life who like loves her and like has her best interest in mind. And she is isolating herself because she now has, she's now subscribed to Gerard's agenda. Well, and it's so, so interesting because in that scene she calls Gerard and leaves him a message and refers to him as grandpa. Ew. Yeah, gross. Um, but Chris, that does not go unnoticed by Chris. And he was just like, I've never heard you call him that before. And it's it's kind of like a, a fuck you to Chris, almost. Um, yeah, she's basically saying, I have other family now. Yeah, like I don't need your help and I don't need you to tell me what to do and I can't believe you shot my bow out of my hands like yeah she like throws this a little huffy where she's like you owe me a new bow and he's right you owe everyone an explanation babe like ah she's very bratty she's very bratty and I which is so weird because Allison is like very much like an adult not only is she older mm-hmm. than all of her friends she's like a, she's had to move around a lot she expresses a lot more maturity than other people like It's kind of like what you and I were discussing earlier just in our day-to-day about how being back at our parents' homes, like, turned us back into the 13-year-olds we once were. Acne and all. And for some reason. Why was my skin so bad at home? Oh. And for some reason. It's the anxiety. The anxiety. The anxiety. The stress (laughs) of living through what is going to be a lengthy chapter in a history book one day. I mean, honestly, honestly, March was 10,000 days long. (laughs) April Um, was 30 seconds, so that was crazy. um, And tomorrow is June. So anyway, um, I, it's, it's like when girls call their father daddy past the age of like 10. Um, I think Allison is trying so hard, like to get her grandfather to like her. And it's like this weird balancing act of like, being a, a widow kid who needs to be taught how to do this. Puppy eyes. Yeah. And, and, and also being like, I'm the leader now. Yeah. Um, cause I get to make decisions cause I'm a woman. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes think about that whole, like we let the women make decisions in our family and I feel like, and then they kill off all the women in that family. So no, you don't. It's not progressive. Nope. If you murder the women. No, sorry. We have so, like, we could go on for days about how Teen Wolf's, like, activism is performative. It's so perform. None of it is, like, genuine. I know. Well, I mean, we'll have more to discuss in the future, I'm sure. But, yeah. Um, oh, she, certainly. She both wants sort of, like, help me, little kid sympathy, while also being in charge. Which is, like, actually, the if she had just, uh, to admit that you need help is actually more mature than being like, but I don't need help. Huh. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yes. Let's quickly jump into Derek and Peter and then maybe Al, uh, Erica and Boyd. Um, they have like sort of plots that really only involve each other in this episode. They're like C plots. Like <laughs> they don't really touch what's happening with Scott and Isaac and Styles. Um, what do you have to say about, uh, Derek and Peter? I know you love talking about Peter. I so. love Peter. Um, you know, it's interesting because Derek is in this situation where, uh, the last remaining members of his pack have decided to leave. Um, and I don't know, like, uh, Erica and Boyd come and share their decision with Derek. I think Isaac just kind of is like, fuck you and walks away. Doesn't explain it at all. Um, and so Derek is alone and he knows that that leaves him vulnerable and open to all kinds of bad things happening to him. And he's also been warned that Peter is out to get him and is really wily and should not be trusted. So he's like in between a rock and a hard place of he doesn't have a pack. Peter wants to be in his pack. Derek is wary and suspicious of Peter. What magically happens to make you part of a pack? Like, do you have to agree on cahoots or is it just like time spent with one another? I do not know. Teen Wolf would never give us the answer. Um, but you're right. Derek is in a difficult position because he has also put, he has basically pushed Erica and Boyd to not want to be in his pack anymore. He has not offered them what he originally promised, which was like strength and popularity and all these things. And Erica's like, I was, my life was taken away from me. I want to get a driver's license and I can't do that because I'm busy being a teen wolf. Um, and it's on Derek that he was the world's worst dad. (laughs) Just, just the worst. (laughs) Yeah. And, but now he's realizing his mistake and because of that has to make unfortunate allies with Peter again, because he, sucked through this whole season he just was the worst and erica and boyd are they have each other but i don't really have anybody else until and they are you know listening in the woods for other wolves hoping that somebody will take them in they are lost puppies and and that it's is terrifying um but they think that anywhere is better than here which is really telling and i think it's uh like a point that they drive home pretty finely when um, they get cornered by Allison and watching um, Erica just wailing, just screaming at Allison to stop. It's, I'm not going to call it childish because it's not, but I think you're keenly reminded that like Erica is 16. Yeah. She's a child. And this other child is trying to murder her. Um, And that would be traumatic for anybody. Yeah. Um, And on on the other hand, like, I can understand where Derek doesn't have sympathy for them because he did warn them that this was what was going to happen. But how much, like, how truthful was he? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) The answer to that is no. No. (laughs) Yeah. Um... These like these four people are all victims of Derek. Derek is a victim of Derek. Eric and Boyd are a victim of Derek, and Peter, who was murdered by Derek, is a victim of Derek. <laughs> like, did Peter deserve it? Yeah, he totally did. But <laughs> did Derek ruin his own life? Yes, yes he did. Um, and also, the other thing that gets brought up in. Um, Peter brings up a lot of things in his little, like, let me into your pack speech. Um, But one of the most poignant is that Derek needs Scott. Yeah. We all need Scott. We all need Scott. But also, like, you and I have been saying this forever, that Derek and Scott need each other. Like, they they love each other. Um, Even though neither of them would admit that at this point. Um, or ever. Or That's how bros ever. are. They're like, this is my best friend. We've known each other since we were born. No, I do not love him. <laughs> he is a piece of shit. Um, and so that's it's kind of like laying the groundwork for season three, although you have your doubts as to what the writers had planned for season three, if anything. Because we all know that the Teen Wolf writers don't plan and don't do research. Um, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah. Derek, <laughs> we're like... <laughs> consultants on this show to way too late. Derek does not uh, have any good avenues 
to pursue at this point in time. Oh, that's because he took about 85 wrong turns. Yep. So it's on him. And I mean, you can tell, like he is, <laughs> is he... there an opposite of the wolf of the week? <laughs> Loser of the week. Loser of the week. I mean, it's always Gerard, but this kind of, kind of Derek. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Like Derek, it, Derek, again, Derek is, it's all Derek's fault. Every, actually the whole show, Derek's fault. <laughs> Uh, no, the whole show, Peter's fault, and then Derek's fault. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Should we move into Q's and O's? I think we're there. Let's do it. All right. Do you have any questions? Um, I actually specifically wrote down a couple of questions. Whoa. Planning. Um, <laughs> crazy. I guess I really, I really felt like Derek was so complacent in Erica and Boyd telling him that they were leaving... Why do you think Derek didn't try a little harder to get them to stay? I th- well, one, I think Derek might think that they're safer away from Gerard. Possibly. That would be generous because we just said he sucks. <laughs> uh, I also think that he knows he has already lost them. So there's no point. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Sad. Yeah. Hmm. Sad. Um, that was... A question that I had. Sort of a rhetorical question. Like, Allison, what are you doing? That's not a question that can be answered, but it is. We've had, we've been answering that question for the whole season of this podcast. Yeah. Honey, what are you doing? Um, oh no, baby. What is you doing? What is you doing? Um, yeah, I think that's all I, I had a lot more observations than questions. I think time. that's, that's always what I ended mm-hmm. doing. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Do high schools actually have like therapists? I feel like they have no. one social worker to make sure nobody's like dying. Like when high schools say that they have counselors, they really mean they have college counselors and people to tell you like what classes you're supposed to be taking. They're not interested yeah. in your mental health or maybe that was just my experience. No, that's totally <laughs> right. Like should high schoolers schools have therapists? Yeah, they should. I, you, I'm sure everybody had at least, well, I don't want to say everybody, but most people I know had experienced one person in their high school, like, dying at some point. And uh, I think every once in a while there'd be a grief counselor for that, but, like, never anything real. Like, we didn't... No, I mean, it, it's like how elementary schools should have a school nurse. And they None don't. of them do. We had like volunteers, like moms could volunteer to be the nurse. And a lot of times moms who weren't nurses would do it. So that was cool. But yeah, no. The state of public education today in America. Oh my God, America is really failing. (laughs) It's really not doing its job. On every level. Um, Yeah, so no therapist. But that's that scene is really compelling. Also, it's I like that scene. I want to go back to Styles being in therapy because it's very clear Mm. that he's been in therapy before. He's so comfortable. He is very comfortable. He is laying out his thought process in a really coherent way. And he's not editing himself at all. No. In front of her. Yeah. Which you would normally do in front of. I mean, he's he's editing himself in that he's not sharing the supernatural aspects of it. But he's being very forthright with her. Yeah. Because um, he's been in therapy before. He knows how this works. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Shout out. Everybody should be in therapy. Everybody should be in therapy. Um, okay. My next question. And we actually already discussed this, but I want to know if the wolf pack has thoughts. So werewolves can take away pain. Mm-hmm. How? What is, what do they like admit magic juice through their fingies? Like I'm confused. This, this drives me It seems like they nuts. suck it up, but how do you suck up the concept of pain? Or is it the chemical receptor saying it's pain? I do not understand. This is... The thing that annoys me the most about this is that this is one of the coolest bits of like teen, like not teen wolf. This is one of the bits of like werewolf lore and werewolf power that I think is so cool and so interesting. And it's so pure. It's so it's pure. Blessed. It's yeah. It's really wholesome, especially because everything else that we've seen the werewolves do at this point, is like hack and slash at each other with their claws and their teeth. I'm so sorry. Julia just knocked over her mic for anyone who's wondering what that was. 
I'm really derailing the podcast all by myself today. Um, it's been a while. Like, we're relearning. Yeah. It, honestly, going way more smoothly than I thought it would. I know. I'm sure the wolf pack was worried about how this would <laughs> this one would turn out. Um, yeah. It's it's a, an excellent piece of magic. And it's very... I love that it makes them both cry. Because uh, to, to help people just... It feels good. But how? How are they doing that? That's the question. I think... It, I mean, I think it's like the power of will. You know? If I had to guess. Mm, if I had to ask the Teen Wolf writers, they'd be like, oh, magic. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> magic magic has rules, people. Not in Teen Wolf. Not in Teen Wolf. But in in a good The show series. doesn't even follow, like, regular writing rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so frustrating because there are so many questions I have. And I feel like if you were really building out a lore for your show, you'd have the answers. But no. Nope. Anywho. Do you have any observations? Any O's? Yeah. Hit me. I think Gerard dresses like a toddler and I don't understand why. He's always wearing really striped shirts and I don't get it. That's not a that's not a question, but I just like mm. no. That was an observation yep, because we're doing observations. Obviously, yeah. I don't like okay. the way he dresses. I don't have a comment on that one <laughs> in general. Um, and then a observation that you and I both had separately, and then realized that we both wrote it down, um, was that at one point Melissa uh gets like tied up by the canema, and Gerard is like, blah blah blah, give me Derek, and goes away, and Melissa says, Scott, give him whatever he wants, which is so. Out of character. And she comes back and corrects herself, but that doesn't matter because that she would never say that first thing ever. Ever. Let alone have to correct herself about it, so... Melissa McCall... I don't understand. ...is such a badass and has such a strong sense of self, she would not have said that. And such a strong sense of right and wrong, and she can yeah. tell that Gerard is on, the sen- is on the side of evil, so that was... Yeah, struck me as odd. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't understand... I mean, I guess it's a, a championship game, but, like, why would everybody be at the lacrosse game? It's lacrosse. Why didn't they choose to do football? It's it's a rhetorical question. You could not possibly answer it. Well, we're doing but... observations, too. You should have asked that during questions. Oh, I'm, 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 I am observing that I don't understand okay. why everybody would be there. Um, Peter does a great job of summing up the entire season in he, a single line. He does. Um. There's lizard people, geriatric psychopaths, and teenagers with low self-esteem. That's that, Teen Wolf. That's about it, yep. Um, Scott knows he's a dummy, but he's a responsible dummy. And, um, yeah, I think I've shared a lot of my observations. What, what are some of yours? Um, my one, oh, uh, I love that there's still a big game. I love when there's a big game in shows like this. Yes. Um, I love being reminded that this is... High school. High school. Um, I thought the sound editing was particularly good in this episode, especially when the lights go out of the crossfield and the sound goes in and out. I mm-hmm. thought it was really... I generally think the sound editing is pretty good in Teen Wolf. I mean, sometimes things are too loud when they shouldn't be. Um, but it, 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 it goes back to some of the horror conceits that we bring up mm-hmm. um, a lot, and I thought that, that was good, and the stuff in the woods was good, too. Um neglected to mention this at the beginning but this episode was directed by tim andrew uh who's one of our best guys old reliable and uh written by jeff davis so um there's a reason it's good (laughs) yeah i felt this episode was extremely well paced i was surprised when it was over um yeah yeah um uh what did i else did i have to say Oh, Coach's Independence Day speech. Oh my God. One, it, it is so great because it just reminded you that you're watching Teen Wolf. Like this episode is really sad and we're just talking about all these isolation things, but then Coach comes out and does the speech from Independence Day, which if you go to any school like in America, I'm sure whatever team has a coach who has a speech that they do. Um, we went to Michigan, so we have a very specific example of that. The team, the team, the team. But they do they do something at mm-hmm. state too, and I think they they did stuff like that in my high school too. So this mm-hmm. exists. But choosing Independence Day so is just funny. fucking brilliant. It is so good. It's so it's so perfect for Coach's character. It's so well delivered by Ernie Adams. Um, it's I want great. Ornie Adams on this podcast. If we were to interview anybody, I wanted to be Ornie Adams. Uh, Wolfpack, would you tweet at Ornie Adams, please? Um, yeah, he needs to know. Um, I had, oh, you know who we did not talk about at all? Hmm. Jackson. 
He's like a non-event, honestly. Like, it's crazy that he stabs himself at the end, and he's very isolated. I did love that him and he warns Danny. Yes, to get out of his way. Because he knows that Danny is, like, his best friend forever, and if there's anybody who he can protect in any way in that moment, it would be telling Danny to run. Yes, which Beautiful. is very sweet. Yes. Um. Oh, my. one of my other observations. I really liked that Peter was the one to bring up the fact that Jackson and Lydia have a really strong bond because it goes back to the fact that um, Peter was essentially living in Lydia's mind um, for a long time and so knows her really, really well. And I think if it had been any other character, that wouldn't have made sense. You wouldn't have been able to take it with like such a strong sense of, oh, he's right. Yeah. Peter lived in Lydia's mind. Yeah, rent-free, baby. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was cool, too. My last observation is that Isaac would get kicked out of the game the second he brutalized one teammate would not have stuck around for three. <laughs> Especially because his response is to just like turn to coach and shrug. Yes. Like that's not an answer. But also there's nothing to tell me that coach would press the issue. So <laughs> true. Um, also, I think it's really funny when uh, Scott is talking to coach and he's like, you're not going to let me play and coach is like, you're failing three classes. I feel like if Scott was failing one class, coach would be like, fine. Yeah. Three classes though. That's the deal breaker. Yep. Yep. Oh, last observation. Style scores a goal. <laughs> two goals. He two goals. Three goals. Two bagels. <laughs> no, two bagels. Uh, yeah, he scores a goal and I do, I love I love a little little triumphant Styles moment before a tragic Styles moment. He needed a win. He did, and then he lost. If there's anybody who needed to take the dub in this app, it was Styles, and then he took the L at the end. So, so. you win some, you lose some, literally. Um, I think that wraps up Q's and O's. Do you mm-hmm. want to go through our pack stats? Because I didn't write them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to point out that thus far. Zero sirens. Zero sirens. And I thought there's going to be so many because there's been so many lately because the world is on fire. Um, it is. It is on fire. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so not a very packstat heavy episode. We had three eyes. Um, Scott, Boyd, and Jackson, respectively. Um, two claws, two instances of claws. One when Scott is in his bedroom and encounters Gerard and Jackson as the canima. And then... The other uh, we see at the end of the episode that Jackson, like, clawed himself. Gross. Um, so, And they're also not cannibal claws. It's weird. Um, two shirtless moments. It's both Scott. It's both Scott, Scott within the same five minutes. Yep. Um, cool. And then there's a Macy's ad. Scott's pulling one shirt out of a Macy's bag. So weird. That's so inorganic. Like we see it. Just put the Macy's bag in the background. We know they all shop there. We watch this show. We're well aware. We're put well it, aware. Put it next to the Reese's. How much did they make from Macy's? Do you think? I honestly, I couldn't tell you probably not as much as they've made from Chevy, but more than they've made from Samsung. I was watching something the other day, and it one of the warnings on like the like rating label at the beginning warned that there was going to be advertising in the show, and I was like, every show should do that. Tell me when I'm going to be sold something. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's I've been watching Jane the Virgin with my mom, and like it's so so obvious that they've been sponsored by Target. Like it's on hashtags. There's a lot of text on Jane the Virgin, but. It's so obvious that it's an ad and it's, it's cheesy, but it's like, okay, I get it. Or even sometimes like you'll see that it's like promotional considerations by Ford. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Transparency and advertising. Love to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, who's your wolf of the week, Julia? You know, I took a minute to think about this and my immediate reaction was nobody is the wolf of the week. And then it felt very obvious that it was Isaac. Oh, mine's Isaac too. <laughs> Love when it can be Isaac. <laughs> he he really showed up. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott shows up for him and it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac is learning that if you show up for people, good people, they will show up for you. Yeah. And it's really, really beautiful to and watch. And I think he was taking a big, um, you know, note out of Scott's book when Scott was like, I have the responsibility to stay. And Isaac realized that it was his too. So mm-hmm. it's Isaac. We yeah. love him. We love him so much. I know. Gosh. 
Um, I think that about wraps this episode up of the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast. If you would like to stay updated on what we're doing, you guys can follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. That is also our Instagram handle, and you can follow us at Tumblr at Teen Wolf Free Wolf. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, we hope that you leave us a review on iTunes. And we know that this is a really tough time for everybody out there. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you are so inclined uh, and you have the financial means, we would encourage you to uh, donate to um, your local charities that are helping the protesters. And also keep your eyes open and pay attention to what's happening. And um, also... I think it should be said more often, but if you need a break and you need some levity in your life, that's okay. You're not a bad person for needing to take a break from the news. Staying informed is important, but also uh, you can't do the work if you are emotionally drained. And that's why we have a Teen Wolf podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) Yeah. um, She's right. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Summer is here. Actually, I think we have some listeners in the southern hemisphere so winter is coming (laughs) winter has arrived (laughs) yeah um but other than that i have been christian that has been julia we love you guys and we hope you have a wolf of a week